You're listening to the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host and resident dog mom, Erin Scott. If you consider your dog a family member, then this podcast is for you. Let's celebrate the love and connection we have with our dogs. Not only can a dog be your best friend, but I believe a dog can be a healer, a teacher, and an inspiration. This is a place for us to connect in the joy of loving our dogs, and also a place where you know you're not alone in the difficult times, or in the sadness of missing a dog that was an important part of your life. I can't wait to share with you stories of how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. This is Believe in Dog. Welcome to the first episode of the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. My name is Erin Scott, and I live in the suburbs of Baltimore with my husband, Tim, and my two rescued pit bulls, Penny and Nino. I've been active in Baltimore's animal welfare community since 2008, which is kind of funny because I didn't even know that I was a dog person until I was 25. And having dogs in my life has actually made me a better, kinder, more compassionate person. Sometimes when I look back, I kind of think I was like a Grinch, and dogs made my heart grow three sizes. So I thought that would be a good place for us to start with the first episode. I want you to get to know me and my story. So today, I'm going to tell you about how I became a dog person, the difference dogs have made in my life, and why I started this podcast. I've been thinking a lot lately about beginnings. I turned 40 earlier this year, and I've been doing a lot of reflecting on life, how far I've come, how far I still have to go. I don't know if turning 40 makes everyone reflective or if it's just me. My new favorite term for beginnings is origin stories. I know you usually hear this when you're talking about a superhero and how they got their start, but I really think it can apply to all of us when we have a defining moment or experience in our lives. Pretty much everyone who knows me in 2019 would know me as Erin the dog mom. I mean, I don't actually think that my dogs are like my children or anything, but I care. I care about my dogs. I care about what they eat. I care about what vet they go to. I care about what training methods I'm using. And sometimes I plan my whole weekend around whether I get to take Penny for a car ride because that's literally her favorite thing on earth. But this hasn't always been the case. Like I said, I didn't even know that I liked dogs until I was 25. I was definitely not a kid who grew up surrounded by animals. I was not the Disney princess strolling through the woods with my animal pals. I actually only have a handful of memories about dogs from when I was a kid. I remember my grandparents had a St. Bernard, but he passed away when I was four. And I remember having the pound puppies stuffed animals in the 80s. And there was this German shepherd that would run through its electric fence and chase me all the way home from the bus stop. I actually remember really wanting a dog. I think I was about nine years old, and I begged and begged my parents, but they worked a lot and really liked having a clean house. I'm pretty sure my mom does not appreciate the genius of my dog's nose art on my windows these days. So I never did have a dog growing up, and I really didn't have a lot of childhood experiences with dogs. And by the time I became a teenager, I just assumed I wasn't one of those dog people. I remember I had this friend in high school who warned me that her dog piddled when new people came to the house. Piddle means pee, by the way. I learned this the hard way when my foot got piddled on. 
And I remember dating a guy when I was 19. His family lived next to this wooded area, and I would come over their house in this cute outfit, only to have their family dog come barreling out of the woods and tackle me, leaving muddy paw prints all over me and my cute outfit. So yeah, I thought dogs were piddling mud bombs, and I just assumed I wasn't a dog person. I mean, I was the angst-ridden 1990s teenage girl wearing Doc Martens and way too much black eyeliner. I was basically angry at the world and had adopted a hard exterior where I decided to dislike you before you could dislike me. But somehow, that misanthropic teenager who hated everything became the dog mom AF that has now spent the last few months googling how to start a podcast— because I've seen the power of how the love of a dog is making our lives better and the world a better place. So if you're wondering how that happened, my dog mom origin story starts with Lucy. But to really start at the beginning, the story of Lucy actually starts before Lucy. It starts in the 1990s with my husband Tim. I mean, he wasn't actually my husband then. We didn't even meet each other until the year 2000. But at some point, we traced it back to around 1996, Tim had run into this guy who had a female brindle pit bull, and he totally fell in love with this dog. And Tim told himself for years that when he owned his own home, he was going to have a female brindle pit bull. And he kept this thought in his mind for over eight years and through a whole series of crappy apartments that didn't allow pets. In May of 2000, I met Tim. We met in a very old-school, analog way, through mutual acquaintances at a concert. And in the early days of us dating, I can remember Tim telling me how he couldn't wait to buy a house one day so he could get a female brindle pit bull. And I just thought, oh, okay, that's nice. But the next thing you know, it was July 1st, 2004, and Tim and I were engaged in buying a house with a yard and everything. And Tim looks at me and says, well, great, now we can get our female brindle pit bull, right? Well, crap. I didn't know that he was, like, serious about that. I thought it was just one of those things that you say, like how I'm going to clean out my car this weekend or start that Pilates class next week. But I was a good fiancé, and I got online to our local shelter, and there on the first page was a female brindle pit bull. Well, crap. I didn't know anything about having a dog. What was I going to do with one of these piddling mud bombs in my new house? But I kept being a good fiancé. Tim worked in retail management at the time, and with his schedule, it was going to be a few days before we could get up to the Humane Society, and Tim was so worried that someone was going to adopt this dog before we got there. He had me calling and emailing the shelter every day to make sure that she was still there. And she was, because it was meant to be. Lucy, well, the shelter had named her Diamond, were assuming after a patch of white fur on the back of her neck in the shape of a diamond. She was a beautiful striped brindle with a white stripe down her nose, a white chest, all four white feet, and the white tip of her tail. She had beautiful, soulful brown eyes, and the first time I saw her, she had snot pouring out of her nose from kennel cough, and this actually completely endeared her to me because I was suffering with allergies at that time in my life, and I often had snot pouring out of my nose too. Because of the policies of the shelter at that time, because our Lucy was considered a pit bull, she had to be spayed before we could bring her home. And the shelter did not do the spay surgery at their facility, so we actually had to wait until a local vet hospital could do her spay, which was going to be a few more days. 
By the way, I just wanted to note that this was the policy of the shelter back in 2004 and is definitely not the policy of the shelter today in 2019. If you've ever seen those adorable videos or photos online of a dog being rescued and getting a freedom ride, where the dog is an excited wiggle butt or bouncing off the walls to be adopted, that was not our experience. Because the first time we went to bring Lucy home was from the vet hospital after her spay, and she was still a little out of it from the anesthesia. Tim lifted her into the back seat, and we took off for home. At the next traffic light, the car in front of us stopped short on a yellow light, and Tim slammed on the brakes. So our first official act as dog parents resulted in poor, anesthesiated Lucy falling off the back seat with a thud. I felt like a horrible person. Clearly, we were not cut out to be dog parents if we literally had our first fail before we could get home. But thankfully, we made it the rest of the way without incident. Lucy slept in her crate the first night, and I was the first one awake the next morning. I will never forget letting Lucy out of her crate for the first time. I was really nervous and had no idea what to expect. What if she didn't like us? What if it wasn't a good fit? She timidly followed me to the back door, and I showed her to the backyard and outside for the first time. She was so shy and yet so trusting. And we came inside, and I gave her her breakfast, which she was thrilled about. I remember her eating, or inhaling, the food with great enthusiasm, and then nuzzling up to me afterwards in what seemed like appreciation. I actually still love to watch my dogs eat to this day, because it always reminds me of watching Lucy on that first morning. Kindness and some food were all it took for us to start to bond. And isn't that all that any of us are really looking for? Kindness and some food? This was the first time that I started to understand what it meant to have a dog. There was this furry little being who trusts you and looks up to you for food and safety. I'll never know all of Lucy's story. I'll never know when she was born or exactly how old she was. I'll never even know how she ended up at the animal shelter. But it doesn't really matter. We didn't speak the same language, but yet we could communicate, and we bonded with each other. We became family. Lucy made us a family, and because of Lucy, we adopted another dog the next year who we named Kalua. Lucy and Kalua were the best of friends, even though when I look back now, I think we pretty much did everything wrong that you're supposed to do when introducing a new dog to the house. But I can't help but think that we were all meant to be together. Lucy and Kalua were such an emotionally healing influence in our lives. They were exactly what we needed, exactly when we needed it. You see... The year before Tim and I bought our house, so we're talking about 2003 now, 2003 was a bad year. We lost Tim's mom, my mother-in-law. Well, unfortunately, she never actually got to be my mother-in-law because she passed away at the age of 47 from breast cancer in July of 2003. And then, two months later, unbelievably and unimaginably, we also lost Tim's son, Damien, and the mother of his son, in a car accident. Damien had been two and a half when I met Tim, and he passed away a month before his sixth birthday. Being a stepmom figure to him was an amazing experience that I'm so incredibly grateful to have had. Being a part of his life was so special and rewarding, and losing him and his mother was such an unbelievable and unspeakable tragedy in our lives. It threw Tim and I into a grief and depression that at times felt like we would never get out of. When I look back on our lives from 2004 to 2008, I sometimes don't know how we survived and managed to get up and go to our jobs every day. 
in addition to grief and loss and trying to deal with this new world where we didn't have Tim's mom or Tim's son, we were also going through job stress and financial stress and new marriage stress and family stress. I think that I was probably not a great person to be around during those years. I was so consumed with all the loss, all the grief, all the stress, all the bad things that I don't know that I was ever really able to be a good friend or a good family member to those around me during that time. I know that there were times when I did not show a lot of empathy to others because I was too focused on all of my own problems. But having the love of Lucy and Kalua was incredibly healing. They helped me to live more in the moment. They were something positive that I could be grateful for instead of only focusing on what had been lost. They brought comfort without having to say a word. And on days when I wanted to shut off my feelings and hide and disconnect from the world, they gave me a reason to get out of bed, and for this, I am forever grateful. And finally, through a combination of therapy and dogs, in fact, if I were to ever write an autobiography, it would have to be called Therapy and Dogs, uh, I managed to come out of this fog of grief and feel like a normal person again. And... I felt so compelled to give back to the dogs that had helped me during my hard time. One thing that's really funny is that I so didn't know anything about dogs at the time that we adopted Lucy that I didn't even know that there were people who didn't like pit bull dogs. I just kept thinking, if they met my dog, if they met Lucy, they would change their minds. And so I started looking around online for pit bull advocacy organizations that I could volunteer with. I remember becoming obsessed with the organization Bad Rap out in California. They are still kind of like rock stars to me because of the amazing work that they've been doing for so many years helping dogs and people in their community. And I wanted to find an organization like Bad Rap here in Baltimore. I had tried getting involved at the local Humane Society, but with the crazy hours that I worked, it was just not really a good fit for my schedule, and I felt like I couldn't be very reliable or be there on any kind of regular basis. And then in the spring of 2008, I stumbled upon an organization called Be More Dog. That's B-M-O-R-E, like shortening of Baltimore. If you're from Baltimore, you know what I mean. I had emailed the organization about how to get involved, and it turned out their next meeting was going to be on the day of my 29th birthday. So I took that as a good sign. I can still vividly remember how nerve-wracking it was for me walking into the first Be More Dog meeting, but there's no way I could have known that by stepping out of my comfort zone that day back in 2008 and into this room full of really passionate and sometimes kind of intimidating women, it was going to change my life in the best way possible and be part of what led me to starting a podcast today. I first started listening to podcasts about five years ago. You know, when Serial came out. I mean, it happened in Baltimore. I had to listen, right? But I had never actually had any real idea for starting my own podcast until just a couple months ago. I had started putting some notes together because Be More Dog was doing a volunteer recruitment talk, and I wanted to give a little history and background on our organization to start with. It's always been important for me to understand the why behind what organizations are doing. And I thought if I could explain Be More Dogs, why, why we came about, why we do what we do, that it would make sense to other people also. So I started putting together a list or like a timeline 
and I was reminded of all the times that I've stepped out of my comfort zone for the organization and for the dogs. And so while the organization started out with the purpose of being a pit bull advocacy and education-related organization, our work evolved over the years as we began to understand the challenges and realities faced by dogs and their owners in Baltimore. So over the past 11 years, I've helped with putting together humane education lessons for children in Baltimore City Public Schools to learn how to have safe interactions with dogs. I've learned to build a website because we needed one for the organization. I've learned how to send constant contact emails. I've become much more comfortable with public speaking, which is definitely something that was out of my comfort zone earlier in my life. I've had to meet and lobby with state legislators when the Maryland courts created a law that targeted pit bulls, and we had to figure out how to get that changed while working with a whole coalition of other organizations around the state. I've even learned how to do things like draw up vaccines and learn how to do certain vet tech duties at our pop-up veterinary clinics in Baltimore's most underserved communities. And it's through this work in the community that my compassion and empathy and understanding for people has actually grown also. Because I've seen firsthand that it doesn't matter what color somebody's skin is or how much money they make or what experiences they've had in life that are probably really very different from mine, but that they still love their dog and their dog still really loves them. And there are people who will forgo eating their own dinner so that they can make sure that their dog eats. And there are people who wake up one morning and find a dog tied up in their backyard and decide to do everything they can to keep him healthy. And there's lots of informal rescue going on in underserved communities by people who don't have access to fundraisers and 501c3 nonprofits. And there are mothers whose sons have been murdered who decide they want to keep their son's dogs to keep some sort of connection to him alive. So on the day when I stopped and thought about all these experiences, all these times that I went out of my comfort zone for the dogs, I, I have to realize that it's all because of Lucy. I've had all this joy and meaning and purpose brought into my life that all started with Lucy. I've met amazing friends and inspiring people all because of Lucy. Lucy changed my life. So then I started thinking about the people I know. People who started a pet-sitting business or left their corporate career to do dog training full-time. People who spend all their free time volunteering at their local animal shelters or people who created new nonprofit organizations to meet a need that they saw in the community. What is their origin story? Who is the dog who changed their life? Who was their Lucy? And so that's why we're here. I want us to know these stories. I want us to know these dogs. And if they're not with us any longer, I want us to know about these dogs. I want you to know that you're not the only one whose life has been forever changed by the love of a dog. Well, I used to be very cynical and felt like all I could see were problems with the world. But today when I look around, I feel like I am surrounded by people who were inspired to take actions out of love. And I'm glad to be one of them. And it all started with Lucy. My goal has been to launch the first episode on October 14th because that will mark four years since we said our last goodbye to Lucy. Sometimes it feels like it was just yesterday and sometimes it feels like it's been forever. We had over 11 amazing years together, but forever wouldn't have been long enough. 
and I know I didn't quite make it on October 14th. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Believe in Dog. I'll be sharing some of my favorite photos of Lucy on Facebook at Believe in Dog Podcast and on Instagram at Believe in Dog Podcast with underscores. And I hope you'll tell me who's the dog that changed your life. You can send me an email at believeindogpodcast at gmail.com. My website is still a work in progress, but you can DM me on Facebook or Instagram. And if you want to post pictures of the dog who changed your life on Instagram, use the hashtag believeindogpodcast and I'll find you. And I wanted to thank at Rachel's Raw Fed on Instagram for telling me that their dog Raven was the reason behind starting their raw dog food company. I know so many of us have stories about how our dogs have touched our lives, and I want us to know them and share them and celebrate them. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd certainly appreciate you telling a friend. You can also subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews really do help more people find us. Thank you for being here and spending some of your day with me. There's a couple more people I wanted to thank that without whom I don't know if I would be here recording a podcast. First is my husband, Tim. He's always been my biggest supporter and my biggest cheerleader. When I first told him that there should be a podcast telling these stories, he said, well, why not you? Next, I want to thank Amy D. of the Why I'm Single podcast. You can actually hear me on the September 15th episode of Why I'm Single with the episode title, Tell Him Steve Tim where I tell the long version of the story of how Tim and I met. Thank you, Amy, for being such a big cheerleader and also appropriate foot in my ass when needed. Thank you to Chuck Nunn, the sound sorcerer of the Why I'm Single podcast. Thank you, Chuck, for answering every silly question that I've had about audio recording over these last few months and for generally just being awesome and naming your dog Ozzy. And thank you to Kelsey Murphy of the Whiskey and Work podcast for her awesome podcasting group, The support and encouragement of these women will always hold a special place in my heart as I got this project off the ground. So this is a wrap for episode one of Believe in Dog. I hope you'll join me next week when I'll be talking to Mindy Fitzgerald, telling us about her heart dog magic and how her cat's health issue inspired her to start her Etsy shop. So this is Erin Scott signing off with hugs and belly rubs.